Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. says, Love the Lord your God with all your passion, prayer, and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. But there's a second to set alongside. Love others as well as you love yourself. These two commandments are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hang on them. Uh, these verses have been a favorite of mine for a long time, and I'm um, not saying that I have them conquered or anything by no means, but they are verses to remind me of what is most important in the world when it seems to get me sidetracked. And then um, I love how the message describes to love the Lord with all your passion, prayer, and intelligence, or your heart, mind, and soul. Uh, I just love how it says it kind of with... Um, with emotion. And then it um, also reminds me to have compassion for your neighbor, which is hard a lot of times because your neighbor is not just somebody that lives on either side of you, but it's uh, everyone that you come in contact with. So these verses uh, just challenge uh, us to carry what God has commanded us to do. Brandy's verse, Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Just prior to that, the Pharisees are trying to trick um, Christ into saying something he probably shouldn't. And they're just simply saying, Christ, uh, you know, what's the, what's the number one commandment there is? And then he answers his question. But they're trying to trick him, trap him, because they're wanting to crucify him. This is just before his crucifixion. And he, and he just simply says again, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So if you look at it, there's three things going on. Number one, love your God. Number two is love yourself. And number three is to love others. But before we can love others, we've got to learn to love ourselves. So for that, I want us to turn to Psalms 139, and we're going to read the passage there. Prior to verse 13 through 17, the psalmist is talking about how they were created and how that no matter what they go through, they can't get away from God. Like, their good times are with God, their bad times are with God. When they feel like they're in the lowest spot of their life, God's right there with them if they just turn around and look, that He, he never leaves them. And then they come to verse 13, and it says this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. So when something's created, who owns that creation? The creator, right? So 
first thing we got to look at is the person who created. He said, you made, you, you created, you created me. Um, for those of you who don't know me, most of the days during the week I'm working on cars. Um, I, I paint cars, hot rods, stuff like that. And when I, when I do a car, I put, I put my all into it, and I try to do my best at it. And, you know, by the time that, that project's done, I feel like I have part ownership in that vehicle. Even though I don't actually own the car, I didn't pay for the car, I'm doing it for somebody. I feel like I have ownership in that car because I created it. So when I'm out, whether it's on the, on the road or if I'm at a show and I see a car, I want to make sure it's doing good. I, I want to look at it, make sure the fender's not falling off, you know, something like that. I want to make sure it's doing good because I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm owner of that car. I put my heart in so I created it. And that's the way God is with us. He said, it says, you made me, you created me. And God wants us to, to be, make sure we're doing okay, even in our low times or our best of times. He wants to know that we're doing well. It says we are to love God. And we need to love others. But first we have to love ourselves, right? So how do we do that? Look at verses 13 and 15. 13 says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. And then 15 says, You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. I don't know how many people weave and knit nowadays, but I remember when I first started dating Brandy, that her great-grandmother was always knitting these big blankets. And when you watch somebody knit, every weave is important. Because if they get off, the image that they're trying to portray with that knitting has to be exact. If you get off, the image is messed up. And that's the same mindset that we see right here with, with God creating each one of us. Each, each piece Everything he does for us is painstakingly. It's in its exact place. Now, would you rather think of it that way? Or would you rather it be like, there's Brad. That's nice. No, I'd rather, I'd rather think of it as, you know, God has meticulously placed everything in my life. If I asked you, okay, first of all, I forgot to say this. I'm going to need crowd participation today. Um, first service was very quiet. I don't think anybody worked or played or anything. I kept asking questions. But anyway, so here's the first question today. What is the most important thing in the human body for life? The heart. When God's knitting us together and weaving us together in our in our when we're born. Our heart's done first. He starts with the heart, and then he builds the other organs, and then, then the skin. And that's why a lot of times when a child is born prematurely, they have to be put in an incubator for their skin to finish healing because we're built from the inside out. So if you picture this just for a second... Even before you're conceived, God is holding your heart in his hands, each one of us in here. And he says, for me, you'd say, Brad, 
This is your passion and your desire. You're going to be passionate about helping others. You're going to desire to love me. You're going to be passionate about the wife that I give you. You're going to be passionate about cars. You're going to be passionate about racing cars. These are your passions and your desires. And then, you're, then that was even before you're conceived. That he's already developed the passion and desires of your heart. He starts with the heart first. In verse 14 it says, Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. In some translation it says, I am wonderfully and fearfully made. Here's what I want you to do. Look at your neighbor and say, you are awesome. (laughs) Wonderfully and fearfully made literally means distinct or awesome. So if you're wonderfully or fearfully made, you're distinct and you're awesome. God thinks you are awesome. You are awesome. It says, you're wonderfully complex. Complex meaning the tiniest part of you God created. Take a look at this picture. This is the smallest molecule particle known to man. Up to a few years ago, the smallest particle had been like a chromosome or something like that. But this laminin was discovered a few years ago. And it's actually the particle that holds... One chromosome to another chromosome. It's the particle that, that holds other particles together. It's the tiniest part of you and I. And what shape does it look like it's in? A cross. Now God created each one of us. And he uses this to hold us together. But it's also, I have no doubt in my mind that it's been sitting there waiting for somebody to discover this whole time because he's wanting us to know as well as he's also the one that holds our lives together each and every day. And this is just one little facet, one little clue that he gives us to show his love for us. That, hey, the cross is very, very important. The cross is what holds everything together. In verse 14, if you notice one more thing, this whole time he's been talking, the psalmist has been talking about how great God is and, and, and how he's created him and, and the things that he does for him, how he can never be away from him. But right here, if you look at the first two words, it says, thank you. The fact that he's been thinking and reflecting on what, who God is and what he's done for him, his mindset turns to praise and adoration. When we turn our heart's focus to, to praise of, of what God has done about the tiniest part of our lives God has created. And he thinks, he thinks each one of us is awesome. We are an awesome creation, each one of us. When we start to think about that and realize how awesome we are, when we focus our praise and adoration on the creation of the Creator, we realize that we can love others as much as we love ourselves. 
John fifteen twelve says, This is my commandment, love each other in the same way that I have loved you. So if we, if we look at this psalm and we say, Man, God loves me. And then we look at this commandment, it says, Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Then we can look at other people and say, Man, I care for you, I love you, the same way God cares about me. It says in Matthew, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. But to do that, we have to love ourselves first. And some of you say, well, Brad, you don't know me. You don't know my life. Life is the breath you breathe and the beating of your heart. Life is not the circumstances that we find ourselves in in everyday situations. Usually the circumstances, circumstances we find ourselves in are circumstances we created. Our life is a life that God has created, as we saw in Psalms 139. In Matthew 25, 35 through 40, if, if you've heard um, any of our mission trips or anything like that, this is a scripture that uh, Brandy and I find dear to our hearts because it's about loving those others after we've loved ourselves. So in Matthew 25, it says... Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing. When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So who are you seeing and who are you loving on? A few weeks ago, the church as a whole went out on a Sunday. We skipped church, naughty, naughty. And we ministered to other people. We had groups at grocery stores, we had groups at Walmart, we had groups at Bojangles washing cars in the rain. We had groups everywhere. Each person that you ministered to, you served to, you were doing this. You were serving others, but you were also serving God. How awesome is that to think about? While I was helping somebody in need, I was serving God. Brandy's verse, Matthew 22, she, it said, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. We have to love God, love ourselves, love others, and we have to do our best at it. To love, to do your best. Two verses I have that are my favorite, they're, they're basically the same. But one is Colossians 3.23, and the other one is in Ecclesiastes, and we'll go over that in just a few minutes. Before I get to that... I, Got another question for you. I just want y'all to start naming out some jobs y'all do. What, what is your work? So go ahead. Man, there's a lot more workers in here. <laughs> I had two first service. So I heard school bus driver, automotive, uh, nurse, lawn care, all kinds of stuff, right? 
Colossians 3.23 says, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Let's face it. When we try to please people, it doesn't always work, right? Usually somebody gets a little ill or frustrated. But if we went to this scripture here and said, Work willing at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. I remember... uh, I think it was about two years ago, three years ago. I can't remember exactly, but Landon preached, and he gave a call to action. And I don't remember exactly what it was. I know we're supposed to write something on a piece of paper and lay it at the altar. And mine was this. I made my dad proud by making the father proud. And what I meant was, growing up, I think all of us have the same want, and that is to make our family proud of us but all through high school and everything I got to do some pretty cool stuff and was successful at it and I always wanted to hear dad say I'm proud of you but it never happened he was proud of me because I got a scholarship but he wasn't proud of what I'd done but shortly after that as I was trying to just continually focus my life and, and search what God wanted me to do all through high school I prayed God what do you want me to do after my high school career, college, what do you want me to do? Junior year, double, double enrolled in college to do automotive repair. And I continued that search all the way through high school and outside of high school. And it wasn't until till Dad had seen me searching for God's goal, His will in my life. When He saw the fact that Man, he's really serious about this. He's really wanting to do what God wants him to do. And as that transpired, I began to hear my dad say, I'm proud of you. And it wasn't the fact that he was proud of exactly me. I know he was, but he was seeing God through me and was proud of what God was doing in my life. 1 Thessalonians 4.11 It says, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands. Just as we instructed you before, then people who are not Christians will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. Verse 12 says, then people, or my dad, then your dad, who's not a Christian, will respect the way you live and you will not depend, have to depend on others. So see, if we put God first, searching for what He wants in our lives, and doing our best for Him, it ultimately leads into pleasing those around us, because we please God first. <clears throat> I told you earlier that, you know, I paint cars, I love what I do, and I, I want every one of them to be perfect. Most of y'all know Todd Rhodes. He's been working on truck for, he told me not to tell you this again, but seven years. He said, don't tell him that. But it's been seven years, and we just started spraying it a few weeks ago. And I sprayed the cab of his truck. There's a little imperfection right in the middle of the roof. Like, see that imperfection? No. That one right there, you don't see that? No. Well, I'm going to fix it. He's like, why? I was like, needs to be fixed. 
but I don't see it. So I have a choice when I do a vehicle for someone. I can say, ah, chances are people won't see that. I'll just let it slide. Or I can say, no, this is God's vehicle, and it needs to be perfect for God. I mean, think about it. Isn't everything we own really God's anyway? So it doesn't matter if you brought me a a table or a car or whatever. I don't look at it as it being yours. I look at it as it being God's. I work for God. You work for God. We need to have the mentality that we work for God as our employer. Anybody ever had the not-so-nice boss? Like, you know, it didn't really look like they loved themselves because they wasn't loving us at work. Makes it tough, doesn't it? What if our mentality was, you know what? I'm not working for them. I'm working for God. I'll get through this. You think that would change things a little bit? Probably so. In 1 Thessalonians... Excuse me, Ephesians 4. I'm in Thessalonians. Ephesians 4, 1 through 4. It says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make an allowance for each other's faults. Because of your love, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there's one body, one Spirit. Just have you been called to one glorious hope for the future. So what's this um, in verse 1? It says, lead a life worthy of your calling. What's your calling? Your calling is simple. Christ died on a cross for you. Are you living your life worthy of what that entails? Are you leading a life that's worth $10? Or are you living a life... That's worth infinite amount because of what Christ did for you. Are you living a life worthy of your calling? So how do we do that? Verse 2 says, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Now, we tend to want to skip the end of of that verse there where it says, Make an allowance for each other's faults because of your love. A lot of times we like to not ignore that, each other's faults. Well, they're aggravating me, or they're not being nice to me, or they're treating me mean. We have, to, we have to make allowances for that. Why? Why does it say? It says, because of your love. Because of your love for God, because of your love for yourself, and because of your love for others. It says, make every effort to keep yourselves... United in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there's one body, one Spirit, just as you've been called to one glorious hope. It's important to do these things right here. It's important to love God, yourself, and others because we have a hope that we need to share. It may be going through a drive-through, somebody having a bad day. Your good attitude brings hope. How many ever went through drive-through at Chick-fil-A? I have yet to see a grumpy face at Chick-fil-A. I mean, they're always nice. I don't know how they do it. It must be in the chicken or something. 
But if you're having a bad day, you can go to Chick-fil-A and at least have a pick-me-up for a few minutes, you know? That's what this is about. About showing that hope by the way we live our lives, by loving others. One glorious hope. So we have to do our best to love God, to love ourselves, to love others. We have to do our best in everything. Ecclesiastes 9.10, this is my other life verse, much like Colossians 3.23. says, whatever you do, do well, for when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. Another translation says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Randy's scripture before said, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. In other words, with everything you've got, love God with all your might. And whatever your hands find to do, do with all your might. I enjoy racing. past three years, I haven't been able to do a whole lot. But this year, I've, I've been able to go a couple of times. And, um... When I go racing, of course I hope to win, right? I don't go hoping to lose. So I got to thinking about that before I got get to race again this year. And it's like, you know, a lot of times I go to the track and I'm not really in the mentality of doing my best. Because when I'm at work, you know, I'm getting ready to go in a spray booth, spray a car or whatever. I'm doing fabrication work. I'm thinking and praying, God, help me do my best. Help me, give me the right decisions to make to make this project the best it can be. If I need to do something different, if I need to redo something, help me to do my best. And I realize, you know what? It's no different with our hobbies. Anybody got any hobbies in here? Shout them out. Things you like to do. Shooting. What? Fish. What? Taking pictures. Photography. We had that in first service. There's all kinds of stuff that we do on the side, right? God wants to do our best in that as well. So I got to thinking, well, I can't just get in the car and sit there and be like, man, I hope to win. No, I've got to get in there and be focused. I've got to have to have been practicing before I get in the car. And let's face it, it's a drag race. I don't have to be like focused for one minute. Right? I have a friend that has like ADDHT plus multiplication, whatever you call it. And he's like, Look, I can't focus on nothing, but I can at least focus for one minute and put everything in order and try to have the perfect run. And that's the way I need to be. To do our best, we have to focus because God wants us to do our best at everything we do. Whatever our hands find to do, He wants us to do with all our might. I got another example for you. Now, Lynn Crump was in here early service. If you don't know Lynn Crump, he likes riding bikes. So I looked at Lynn. I was going to make him get on this, but I didn't. So Lynn likes riding bike. Any of y'all remember learning how to ride your bike when you were little? I remember riding in um, the backyard of my grandfather's. And he took the training wheels off. And I remember just going down there, and there was a little path that went across the ditch, and I had to hit that. And I remember all that. All right, I'm 35 now, and I joke. I said, Lynn Crump's way older than that. And um, so if we're in Granite, and you know, y'all riding down Granite, and you see Lynn Crump riding his bike, and I'm behind him going, come on, Lynn, you can do it. Good job. Come on, you got it. It's going to look a little funny, right? It's going to be a little ridiculous. Is that not the same way with God? 
He's given us the abilities, just like those that you remember helped you ride your bike. They helped you get the ability to ride that bike. Remember when God's holding your, your heart in His hands and He's going, these are your passions, these are your desires. That's when He started giving you the ability to do the things that you're passionate about and that you desire to do. He's given us the abilities to do it, so we, we just got to act upon it. We got to do the things that He's taught us and trained us to do. A lot of times... Um, you know, when we're doing our best, we don't always succeed, right? Or sometimes we fail. But if we're doing our best and whatever our hands fi- find us doing, then if we fail, sometimes all we have is the knowledge in our hearts and in our mind is, man, I did the absolute best I could do, and I still failed. I don't like losing. And I definitely don't like making a mistake or losing when I know it's something that either I shouldn't have done or just a mistake. But I know that when I do fail and I've done my absolute best, that's good enough. Because sometimes that's all you're going to have. You're not going to have somebody patting you on the back saying, oh, better luck next time. All you're going to have is, I did my best. And God allows us to go through these failures so that we learn, learn our hearts, learn our minds of what we could do different. He's preparing us for the next step in life. It doesn't mean quit. He's just giving us a little extra to learn. He's getting a little bit more to go with our ability. So oftentimes when we're trying to do our best, we need support. <clears throat> Both of the verses my life, verses Ecclesiastes 9.10 and Colossians 3, 9, uh 19 prior to that Ecclesians 9 9 and then Colossians 18 and 19 um, it talks about a supporter it says live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun the wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toll. And in, in Colossians 3, it says, Wives, submit your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. You see, God has already given us support through companionship, whether it's just a friend or if it's a spouse. In Genesis Adam was naming all the animals and doing his thing God told him to do. And God looked down and said, man, Adam needs some help. He needs a helper. Adam needs a supporter to walk, through him, walk with him through life. I don't know who's married, who's not in here. Um, teenagers, you know, God tells us to wait for that one person. Wait. And we're like, ah, you know, blah, 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 rules, regulations, God, whatever. Look at the end of uh, Ecclesiastes. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toll. The spouse that God gives you is your reward. 
Do you look at your spouse as your reward? How would things be different if you did? I'm so thankful for my reward. I'm glad I didn't mess it up. I'm glad that I waited for that reward in Brandy. We spend most of our days, probably 90% of the days together. And a lot of times, you know, I think about doing something different. And I think, man, I'm not, you know, that's eight or ten hours. I won't be with her. I'm very fortunate to be able to spend pretty much every day of my life with her because she's my reward. And I thought it was amazing because I've never even focused on those two verses prior to my favorite verses that both of them are saying, I give you support. It's your reward. A reward worth waiting for. In Exodus 17, there's a story about Moses and Joshua's going to fight the um, Amalekites. And in 17, 18, and uh, so on, it says, While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, Choose some men, go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalekek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became tired, so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek. Aaron and Hur were providing support for Moses. A lot of times people come to me or Brandy and say, Hey, why don't, why don't y'all do that skate and BMX stuff a lot anymore? And the answer is pretty easy. Support. Um, when we do a skate event, if you were here when we did one here and we've done them all over... It usually costs six to $8,000 to do that event. It's a four-hour event. And most of the time, we just take out a loan from our mortgage to pay for it. And people are like, why would you do that? It's not even for you. No, it's not. It's for somebody else. The first one we ever did, I think it cost like $8,300 and took out a loan. And the week before... A year later, the week before the next skate event, we paid off that loan. And then we had to get another one to pay for that event. And then there was only like 10 or 15 people to help us put everything up. It was a three-day deal just to get everything set up and tore down. But six of those were from the band, and three of them were pro riders from Ohio. So it only left about five or six, and it just wore us down. So you see, support's really important in order to do our best, whatever that is, whether it's ministry, whether it's work, whatever it is, we have to have support. It shouldn't be a question of what, what, what would this be like if I help? The question is, if you see a need, it should be, what's going to happen if I don't help? Now, I'm not a salesman. I don't, I'm pretty much, you see what you get. Um, I try to let my work tell the story. And I try to do that as well with ministry. But whatever, if, if it's our ministry or whoever's ministry, they need support. 
Just like the wall of hope back there. That's for support. There's two families in Guatemala. You guys helped us um, fund and build a church last year. There's two families in Guatemala this year. One of them's a young lady who's got three kids, no house. I think she's living under a tarp. And then another family is an elderly couple with some grandkids. And their house isn't, I mean, it's rags. But they need a house. So we've decided to help the, the young lady with the kids because she has nothing. But it'd be awesome to go over and build two houses and take care of both of them because for the past year we've been trying to find this need and there's right now the only two families that don't have a home. When we left there, there was a young married couple who didn't have a home but they've been able to get themselves a home. And when I say a home, I mean I'm thinking this room back here is bigger than their home. That's the size of the homes they live in. It's nothing gigantic. But we have to have support. If you see a need that you know you can help with, whether it's out on the street, in a store, at work, with a friend, if you know you can help, do it. But sometimes giving out support requires a sacrifice. Doing your best often requires a sacrifice. Athletes, you know, they train, they spend, they, lose, they don't get to spend a lot of time with the family during the, the season, whatever it is, football, running, whatever it is. You have to have a sacrifice. Well, last night, Brandy had to do a little sacrifice. You see, we don't usually go to the Hickory on Friday night, and we definitely don't usually go in her car. Because if you've seen her car, it gets a lot of attention. And people often want to race. But last night, she wanted to go get the canvas. I'd done some work on her car this week. And um, she's like, let's take the car. And I was like, okay. So we go to AC Moore. And first of all, those canvases do not fit real well in her car. I felt like I was at a team challenge or something, me and her trying to get it in between a roll cage and everything. But we leave AC Moore and we go on down the road. And y'all ever seen a kid where like, they've been riding rides and are like, Come on, one more time, one more time. Well, Brandy pulls up the stop button. She goes, are we going home? Well, yeah, I need to finish studying. Do you have to go home now? Well, we got to get ready for tomorrow. Okay. The next thing I know, we went straight, but then we made this loop. And we're back on the main strip in Hickory. And we're cruising down through there. And, of course, there's cars pulling up beside her. I was like, you're going to get yourself in trouble. She's like, you think? Yeah. And then you see a cop at a stop like, you're going to get yourself in trouble. So we drive on through, and then we see a, a, somebody in a golf, Volkswagen golf like her. She's like, you going to go make some friends? You're going to get yourself in trouble. So we go on, and she's like, all right, I'll sacrifice to support us for tomorrow. And I was like, okay. So we're going on home, getting close to turn off to go home. This little truck started playing with her. It's always funny to watch because it's like the person in the video is like, oh, look at that little girl in the pink car. Oh, look at that girl in the pink car. <laughs> she blistered him. Oh, y'all on the back road are po police. Y'all didn't hear that. Um, it's just funny. I said, you, you sacrifice and you still get to play, right? But we have to sacrifice in order to do things that we know God is asking us to do. You may have to sacrifice your time, 
Like I said, you may see someone on the side of the road. Oh, I got to meet in 10 minutes. How important is that meeting? Would the person you're going to meet understand that, hey, I'd stop and help somebody on the side of the road or whatever the case may be? Probably. To me, if, if it was a fact of maybe you're going to a job interview and you said, hey, I, I'd have been here on time. I'm sorry I'm late, but somebody's on the side of the road and I helped them. I, I would think that's the kind of character that, that they would want to see and somebody they'd want to hire, whatever the case may be. I often struggle on sacrifice. Like I said, I love the race. And one reason why I haven't in the past three years is because of just the finance side of it. I struggle with the fact of spending this money when I know what it can do in Guatemala. Now, I don't spend a lot. It costs more just to get the track than it does actually race. If you fish or anything like that, it don't matter what hobby you got, they're not cheap. I don't understand you golfers. You pay $400 for a golf club, and then you wrap it around the tree. I mean, I just don't get it, right? But that's something I struggle with. That's my personal struggle. That doesn't mean you have to struggle with the same thing. But we each have to make a sacrifice and think, God, what do you want me to do with this? Where do you want me to, who do you want me to help? Who do you want me to be loving on? Because you see, when we love God and love ourselves, we can love others. And in doing that, we can do the best we can for God. That's what it's about, doing our best for God. I'm going to close with Romans 12, 9 through 13. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard. And serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. I think this passage sums up everything Brandy and I have tried to explain today. The first part of that stands out to me the most. Just, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Really love them. If you're loving God and loving yourself, you can truly love others. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard. Whatever your hands find to do, do with all your might. And serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Love God, love people, and do something about it. I left the last blank for you guys are you doing your best the band's going to come up and while they're playing I just want to continue to ask that in your head are you doing your best are you doing your best to love God are you doing best to love yourself are you doing your best to love others are you doing your best whatever your hands find to do first step of doing your best is to know God you know, we talked about love a lot today, loving God, loving others. God created each one of us to love Him. That's where it starts. When He created that heart within us, it was about love. 
That's the first passion and desire and the want that he put in our lives was the love. So you have to ask yourself, do I love God? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Because that's the only way you can come to know God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. And I, Lord, just pray that uh, you'd be with us during this time as we just try to listen to you, Lord. I pray that you speak these for our hearts. Father, each one of us can do something just a little, little better. And I pray that we would just learn to, to do our best, Father. Father, pray that you just um, be with us this week, that you so, show us opportunities to love others and care for them, Father. Lord, I don't want to live a halfway life. I want it to be my best. And I know that's what you desire from each one of us in here. I pray right now that you would guide us and show us the way. And praise your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.